Welcome to the Real Life Fitness Stories podcast. I'm your host, Scott Roberts. Stick around for inspiring real-life stories of incredible resilience and achievement. Thank you for listening. Let's be inspired. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Real Life Fitness Stories podcast. We have another amazing guest for you. We have Garth Suffers. Hello, sir. Hello. Hello, I'm good. I'm good. Cool. So Garth has very kindly come on to share what is potentially the most amazing story you will ever hear on this podcast. June the 1st, 2018, he was doing his training as usual in his local gym here in Spain. On the treadmill, he suffered a cardiac arrest. This led to being in a coma for six days and hospital for a total of six weeks. Upon waking and throughout his recovery, it became apparent that he had lost almost all of his memory. School, family and friends, home environment, all completely alien to him. He's now rebuilt his life and in May of this year completed a half marathon. So when I was writing that out to do that little introduction, mate, I was just kind of thinking, fucking hell. <laughs> that's, that's a lot to take in. Hearing that back, what, what comes into your head? Well... <sighs> I mean, it's, it's not the first time I've heard it back because I've, I've kind of relived. I was filming it at the mm. time. I was on the treadmill and I, my from to be Instagram famous, you know, <laughs> um, set my phone on me on the on the treadmill and then up I went. So I've, I've kind of watched it several times of, throughout the years of, um, of what happened. You know, I was, you clearly see I'm, I'm, I'm running. I had two kettlebells in my hand and a weighted vest. And then um, at some point, I mean, I, I don't remember any of this, but I just can see what kind of happens. So at some point I must have felt a bit uncomfortable. I put the kettlebells down and started walking, went from running to walking. And then I, I kind of put my hands on the side and just about turned the machine off. And as I turned the machine off, I just flatlined and you can see my face go up against the, the, uh, the screen and just drop them. And the people at the gym, they tried to do the best. They tried to get me off the uh, the gym, the um, treadmill, and then kind of, well, did what they could at the time. There wasn't any qualified um, medic there to help with CPR. And it took 22 minutes because where the gym was situated, it took 22 minutes for the ambulance to get to me. And then, then they applied CPR, managed to get me back to life. And then apparently I flatlined again um, when going to hospital and then ended up in a, in a coma. So going back to your question, because I've seen that so many times, now it's just it's just part and parcel of what happened in my life. At the time, if you'd have spoke to me like six months after, um, even a year, I'd, I'd be really upset about it. I was still being tearful, quite tearful about it, you know. Um, it was quite difficult to comprehend. And I was also going through quite, it was very difficult those first six months because of our family life was being turned upside down. Yeah. Because we weren't sure if we were going to have to move back to the UK as a family. Um, over here, you, you don't have great, a lot of support coming from like the government wise, you know, I was self-employed. So therefore I was kind of like on my own then. 
I was really lucky we got a GoFundMe page together, which helped with my recovery through the hospitals. Um, but then, yeah, then other than that, it's it's uh, it was just kind of like we were on our own and then just trying to do our best of day by day, week by week, and then and progress. And so that's kind of what, what then happened. So now I see it, it doesn't really phase me as much, but originally I was very upset about it, yeah. Let's just go back to when it happened, because I actually want to talk about that video in a bit more detail. So when it actually happened, was you able to actually turn the treadmill off before the cardiac yeah. arrest happened? Pretty much just, just about managed to turn it off. I slowed it down to walking. I was running and then slowed it down to walking. And then I think I just about turned it off and then just went... The, um, one of the owners of the gym came around the corner and saw me and said, you know, are you okay? And then as I kind of just went, dush, she kind of like freaked out a little bit and then did whatever she could, you know, because I was, I had a weighted vest on and I was like 92 kilograms of pretty much at the time I was fit and muscly. So she struggled to get, get me off the gym, off the treadmill. And then with other people's help, they would, you know, just, we probably need to touch on why you was in a weighted vest and carrying um, some kettlebells because you you were a very very fit young man, weren't you? Um, yeah, yeah. You yeah. was doing the obstacle, you was doing the obstacle course racing and things like that, weren't you? That's right. Yeah, OCR obstacle course racing, like Spartan races and uh, tough mudders and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. So if, um, you're if you're wondering why he's on a treadmill with kettlebells, it, it's partly to do with that. Um, yeah. So when was the first time you watched that video back? I'm not sure when the first time would be. Probably um, a few months later. Um, it was my girl, my wife, who's my wife now. She was the one that saw it because... She came to the gym. She came to the gym as soon as she found out what happened. You know, got to the gym as quick as she could. And when she got there, I was actually they were applying, um, doing the best with CPR and stuff what they could then. Um, and then the ambulance got there. So it wasn't until later she went back to the gym. I don't know if it was the same day, the same night, or the next day to go back to get my stuff. And she saw the, the camera there, still there on the treadmill, and was like, "Whoa." Oh, you know, she said to me that she felt it, she just felt the whole drop, you know, that, that gut feel, that gut drop, thinking, oh no, he surely is not. And surely it was. She, you know, I'd filmed the whole thing, which helped in the long run. But at the time, it was pretty brutal for her. Um, and then. Has, has probably... she been able to watch it back then? Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, again, it, it, it's the same as me, Scott, because she was very. It was quite the emotions were very high at the time because of everything that was going on with our lives, whether we were all going to go back to the UK um, and stuff. So it was difficult for her, really. But now it's just it's five years later, we've we've accepted it. You know, it's part of our lives, part of my life, part of what happened. And, and we've moved on. We still feel that we haven't moved on um, and got to where we, we want to be. We still feel like we're in a, like a bit of a recovery point, as um, not as a, in a relationship, or more like with with our um, profession, with what we're doing. Yeah. 
with what we're doing. We're kind of still a bit like trying to find our feet of where we want to be, where we want to go. Because everything had to stop at the time, and then I've had to pretty much start again. And so is so is she. Yeah. Well, like you touched on, there's obviously a lot of pluses to living out here. Um, job opportunities and being self-employed is one of the negatives. Um, obviously, with the language barrier, the pay, there's not a huge amount of job opportunities and being self-employed can be tough out here. It's why a lot of people actually leave. Yeah. Um, so like you said, to have it all ripped away from you and then start again, it is going to take time, isn't it? Yeah, and that, I think as far as my fitness goes, my fitness was easy to kind of to put a pin on it and, and build on that. Like, as you know, your muscles are heart. And all that, and what I then had to do was train my heart kind of thing. So that side was quite not easy, but a bit more like, you know, it's there, pen and paper, you know, you can move forward with that. Whereas with my with my brain and my recovery, nobody knew what was going to happen. It like for a long time, I mean, the first few weeks in hospital was just horrendous for them all. You know, there's videos of me trying to break into a, a vending machine because I couldn't work out how to use it. Um, I'm like trying to thought, saw the chocolate, was hungry, just trying to get through the blooming the glass without having working out how to use it. And I've got my best mates there next to me trying to calm me down because I was like a caged animal at that time as well, re really aggressive, trying to, you know, trying to calm me down. And that, it went in stages apparently. I don't remember these first few weeks. This is what I've been told now so many times from people that it was like, you know, like a couple of weeks of me being like really angry and then a couple of weeks and then I'd start to calm down a little bit and over time I'd then start to come back to, to the Garth that they used to know. But at the same time, there was a lot of me that was gone with my, with my memory, you know, and... Um, what are your first memories of when you did start to come round in hospital, if, if any? Because... No, no. Really... In, in you're waking up and seeing all these what should have been familiar faces and you don't really have a clue who any of them are. You know, that, I, I don't even remember being in hospital. Yeah. Um, the, my, my brain hadn't, wasn't able to retain any kind of that information. It was literally Groundhog Day for, for everybody for a lot, quite a long time. It was every new day I was back to square one. For, you know, for quite some time, I'd, I'd forgotten everything what I'm doing here and everything what you're doing here. And every time I was waking up in the hospital, I don't remember this, but apparently it was that was how it was. It was every day was like I'm trying to get out. All I wanted to do was get out. For some reason, the only thing that I had in my head was the gym, and I because I was I wanted to get back to the gym. I wanted to get back training. It was I don't know my wife couldn't understand why, but that's all I, I want to get back to the gym. I don't remember any of this, but this is what apparently I, I was like. But um, and then my the best way to calm me down, and you you'll probably understand this one. It was food. <laughs> you know, I was like a caged animal, apparently going. Rah! I was breaking into blooming other people's houses. I was in the cardiac, um, you know, uh, ward. And now I'm breaking into these these other rooms because I've been walking down the corridor, see the window, and thinking that's a way of escaping, go straight through their, their dormitory, you know, like me trying to get through. And the way they were doing it was like a bit of food, like, oh, food, 
with a bit of drugs in it and then that would be calming down. Hospital food isn't the best for that though, is it? No, no. I've, I've been in a Spanish hospital actually and it, 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 it's enough to make you want to escape, isn't it? <laughs> so you've mentioned your, well, your girlfriend at the time, your now wife. What, what's her feedback been over that time in hospital? Obviously she's turning up, you know, scared to death of what's happened and what's what's potentially going to happen you don't recognize her she's having to turn up each day and basically like you say groundhog day re remind you or try to remind you who she is what what's her feedback been over that time um well again like just she was just, it was just so difficult for, for anyone to, it was literally day by day. She had to just take it day by day and hope that, hope for the best kind of thing and hope that th this day was, tomorrow was going to be better than today. I mean, it's difficult to speak for her because she, there was so much going on around at the time, so much for her to kind of comprehend. And what happened. by the way, she, her name's Sorrel, by the way. So okay. just, some, you know, because um, if she listens to this and I keep just saying my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so soz was um you know for her it was i think it was just a day by day and and hoping that tomorrow will be better than today was and then i keep improving and she it, it was like I'd, I'd leap and take forward leaps and then i'd stump then it wouldn't you know then it'd slow down the progress would slow down a little bit um, my speech would improve and then it would stop slow down and stuff i still struggle a little bit with my speech with um, if I'm in like a bit of a higher pressure situation, my brain doesn't work as fast as my mouth, and I end up stuttering up a little bit sometimes. Um, That's what I do on these podcasts, mate. So I won't worry too much about it. Mm -hmm. so, like you mentioned, kind of hoping tomorrow would be a better day or see some progress. When for you or the people around you, did that day actually? did they feel like that day was starting to happen that there was actually some progress for them i've no I, I really don't know i really don't know because it might have been because even what happened so this this happened in june and and i think i came out of hospital in july um i don't the, the earliest memory I kind of have is, is October almost. Um, there's little bits of things that I can kind of remember before before that. So a couple of months, I've not really got a great, great, much, great many memories that I can close my eyes and go, I remember that day. Um, there's very, very few that I can do that now um, until probably um, December or Christmas. I think probably Christmas is probably the first time where I can actually close my eyes and say, yeah, I remember that. I can, I can picture that. And for them, I, I, I couldn't tell you, mate, because they were just, it, it was just too much for her, I would have thought. Yeah. To, to, to you know, because she had so much to be thinking about herself as well as me, as well as where we were going. We were almost, it was, we were kind of hurtling towards the point where we were, all going to go back to the UK um, and it was only kind of a last minute decision at Christmas time where we decided well, 
I'll go to the UK for a year and Saz will stay and the girls will stay here. None of us wanted to move back to England, but because of what happened, um, well, my best mate, he's got a construction company in the UK. He said, look, come over here and get yourself back on your feet and I'll look after you. And that was a lifesaver for us. You know, that, that really was a lifesaver to have somebody that can do that, who understood me. Because if you'd have seen, I don't know if you did, I don't think I did see you, did I? Not, not in person, just no. purely through Facebook and things like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, you, you would have gone, well, how, how can you employ you? You know, like, because a few of my friends, they were like, they all had, um, constru- yeah, they're, they're all in construction themselves, but they couldn't really have the risk. They were just like two, one or two people and they couldn't really risk taking me on in case a, something might have happened, but also they just couldn't, wouldn't have been able to afford it. Whereas unfortunately enough, Paul was able to, he had a big company, was able to then put me into his payroll and just get me back on my feet bit by bit, you know, day by day. But, and then Soz ended up staying here uh, with the girls. And that was a big, big turning point for us. So from a timeline point of view, obviously it happened in July. Um, was it like the January of 2019 you went back? No, it happened in June. June was the um, June, beginning of June was um, beginning of June. It was, yeah, so. So was it that, that following January after the Christmas yeah. when you went back to the UK? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, from a work point of view, what what did, what was was it just a like a labouring job or was it just general office? Yeah. No, no, it was it, it wasn't labour. I was a plumbing electrical company. Right. No, I was labouring. I wasn't like like shoveling around and stuff like that. So, uh, sorry about this. Um, I wasn't kind of shoveling, doing anything strenuous. It was just basic, basic stuff. And and how did you find it at the start? Difficult because I was on my own. Um, but I was literally, I think to start with, I was just in a in a van with uh, one of Paul's one of, with one of Paul's mates, just driving around and just dropping off stuff. That was to start with what I was doing. Um, and then before they could, they needed to get all my uh, paperwork right for me to go onto site or anything like that. So for a good month, I was just driving around with a guy called Pete um, and just dropping off stuff, really, and then meeting people and interacting with people. And the other crucial thing with, with that was I was on my own and having to kind of look after myself and get myself back on my feet again. Whereas up to that point, Soz was pretty much mother, mothering me. You know, she, everything she was looking after me all that with through every every which way, you know, all the time. So that really helped us both as a relationship grow a little and develop a little bit, and me be able to go back and get back on my feet and and um, regain a bit, a little bit of confidence for myself and stuff. And in regards to like advice from the hospital and and the specialists, what did your rehab actually look like? Well, here was. Um, the the hospital I had to go private for the for my recovery here Um, and it was it was basically um, trying to retrain my brain really like short term memory gains and stuff like that 
um, showing me a picture of something and then taking it away and then I've got to try and write down what I saw. Basic mathematics. Um, that was pretty much it. I, I went to a place in Malaga once a week and then went to a few specialists, right, just, you know, just to do tests on me and stuff like that. Um, and then there was, towards the end of it, there was a lady called Christina Green in Malaga. She was fantastic with me, the, the stuff that she put me through. Um, and then put me, just again, it was all basic stuff, you know, for, for, for me, trying to just work things out. That was all it was, like trying to do this, and memory games again. And stuff. Um, so that was formed for my short-term memory and try and improve on that. Um, and that, so that was probably, that, that, that was maybe a good month, July, August, I would have thought I was doing that. And then, and it was a point where you kind of there, you that, that's almost all we can do now, Gar. Oh, You've really? Got, yeah, because you can only do now, train yourself. You, you know, as far as the, the long-term memory goes, we're not going to be able to help because that's that's gone, I'm afraid. You're doing, you've progressed really well to a point where she said to me, look, you can drive now. If you want to drive, you know, you, if you want to drive, you should be able to drive. Your, your, your reactions have improved and all, you know, everything like that is a lot better. But, but at which point was that? What time, can, can you remember what sort of, when that was in the year? Maybe October-ish, so November. I'm, it was before I went back to the UK. So it was. You're only looking at about five months, aren't you? Five or yeah, six yeah. months, and you, yeah, they, yeah. they basically gave you the clearance to drive. Yeah. Again, it was like just be careful of you know, like just drive round the block almost. Yeah. You know, don't go straight on the motorway. But again, my motor skills were just like that. The minute I got in the car, click, 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 boom, off I went, no problem. It was just the short, the long-term memory. That was the only thing that really that never ever came back. Nothing happened with that. Short-term memory got, like I was saying before, it, it went in like a week of no progress and wallop. All of a sudden I jump forward, like and it's like wow. And then but and then I'd stop and pause a little bit. So like I was saying before, Soz was like, well, is that it? Is, is he gonna are we gonna improve or not? But yeah, and then it just went and went on like that. How long did it take to start recognizing sorrow? Again, very difficult to say because she was the first person that I saw yeah. when I opened my eyes. You know, she was there. So I, I, you'd have to t ask her probably about how what my reaction was. But then, you know, that, that she was the first person. Yeah. And, um, it was also a little... Pardon? Every single day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't as bad as like I woke up every day going, who are you? It wasn't that. It, it wasn't, um, but it was, it was, she was just there and that's therefore I then built that relationship with her from then. Um, the, there was kind of a point where she where they were a bit like, wow, this is amazing because my youngest daughter, I've got, between me and so I've got three girls. At the time, the eldest was L. she would have been 18. The middle girl was Ashley, she would have been 13. And Lily my, is mine by birth, was eight years old. And I apparently asked for Lily. And it was a bit of like a hallelujah moment that I actually said that, you know, where's Lily? 
that I could remember that I'd got a daughter. Um, but yeah, and that, that was a bit of a, like I say, hallelujah moment. And then from that, it just, just kept going on like that. It just little, little snippets and stuff of, of improvement and then stop. So in, re in regards to your memory and your, your life before the accident, is there still nothing, literally nothing? No, nothing. The, the, all my memories are what people have told me I've done. I can almost give you a map of my life, but I can't remember any, remember any of it. Um, like I, I still, I still bump into people now that say, hey, Garth, how are you? They, they now know what's happened. And it's like, and I'll be looking at going. Um, you better explain it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then they start telling me. Um, in fact, the other day where I'm working now, someone came in to, for, um, for a session with me and then they were talking to me a bit, a bit like, you know, does he know? Does he remember us? Does he? And, I said, and then one of them said, you, you don't remember us, dear Garth? used to train me up at the, we used to train together up at the gym and it's like oh, all right you know and then wow and that's that um well that that happened to me this morning actually but you've got a much better excuse <laughs> yeah. it, it was quite embarrassing this morning but um what, one of your old clients it, yeah it was actually <laughs> oh, no, I mean that. <laughs> it, it was a long time ago but um really you've well, you've not created a personality. You've you've become a certain person now after the accident. The people around you are you similar to the person they knew before, or no. have they said what differences they are? I'm not. I'm not the same. No. Um, I, I mean, I I only have this conversation really with Soz because obviously she's the closest to me. Girls see me day by day, but they don't. We don't really have the conversation as much as I do with Soz. Was I'm not the definitely not the person I was, uh, because mainly because of confidence. Yeah, because the the confidence that I, you gain from your life, you know, as you go through life, you get you learn things, you get confidence, etc., and, and that's all gone. So that little bit of personality has gone from me um in again I'm, i don't know in what way and what way is different but i do know that i am different to the person that i was before but deep down she says there's still there's still a lot of me in there my kind-heartedness my uh, my beauty uh and my cheekiness is still there i was gonna say your British good looks are still there yeah, yeah i had to throw that in <laughs> but yeah but there's still deep down there's still that there but a lot of it is mainly confidence the confidence that i have that you you know as people have growing up and getting going through life challenges i'm having to redo that program uh, with a process with a lot of times what are you like socially if Sorrel said, right, we're going out for a meal or we're meeting some friends or are you, are you fine with all that? Is this, a, you know, I don't know, big groups? Is there anything that you kind of get anxious about now? 
No, not at all. No, there's, there's none of that. It's just I have to, um, I struggle sometimes. I stutter sometimes still if, if I'm with a lot of people or you know, like a bit, not high pressure situation, but if there's a lot going on, I struggle sometimes to keep up and compute with what and talk with everything. You know, I have to sometimes, you know, slow it down a little bit with them. Um, but there's no anxiety, there's no worry or anything like that with it. It's just, um, it's just that point really that where I have to just stop, slow down a little bit with my speech because I end up stuttering. There's too much to compute in that moment in time. Um, but other than that, no, there's, there's no no problems with that. Cool. Let, let's move on to like training and fitness side of things because obviously, you know, a half marathon, half marathon for anyone is a massive achievement. But coming back from what you've gone through is, you know, incredible. But where did you start or, you know, what were your first steps? I know you kind of mentioned you, you're wanting to get into the gym, but how did it start for you when you could actually understand what you was doing? You're like, right, I, I want to get my fitness back, whatever, however that was meant to, meant to look for you. What were the first steps for you? Well, for a while, I didn't think I had to get my fitness back. I thought I was, thought I was invincible. Apparently, I was I was going around going, you know, I'm back, way, I'm back, you know, and and it wound everybody up because <laughs> at the time I was just like so slow as well the way I was talking because my again like going back to my brain wasn't functioning quickly enough to do my mouth but but I was I, I thought I was invincible. And um, so I didn't do any kind of program. Or I, didn't, I just went, just started trying to train. And that's where I hit a brick wall and a brick wall pretty hard. Was that in the gym or running or a bit of everything? It wasn't in the gym. I went back to the gym and then with a guy, and there was a guy called Sid there. And he was really fantastic. He was brilliant with me because he helped me with my react, reflexes and reactions, you know. You've probably seen these kind of things yourself, you know, where you're throwing a ball at a wall, how quick can you catch it and that kind of thing. Big circle on the floor with um, with the with a with a clock and telling me without looking, you know, go to six o'clock and go to that. Yeah. Anyway, so so that was early start. I don't remember. I've seen this on video, so I, this is where I can talk about it. I don't remember doing it, but I've seen it, seen what I was doing. But then the actual fitness of it where I hit a brick wall, my sister was over with me and we went for a run. The idea was we're going to run down to the beach, go for a swim, and then, I don't know, run back or something. Um, and I didn't even get down to the beach. I had an, another accident. Now, I thought I'd tripped. This, I do vaguely remember this part. So this is going back to your early question. This is probably one of the earlier memories that I had. So this was probably August type, maybe August time, maybe, you know, something around that. And I woke up on the pavement with two people stood over me and my sister saying, are you okay? I mean, it was, yeah, it was red hot, so I didn't have a t-shirt on. And the reason, so I'd, I'd cut all my chest because I'd hit the pavement. And I thought I was convinced I'd tripped. I was absolutely adamant. I tripped and just knocked myself out. Went down to the to the beach, to the sea, to the beach, and went in there not to swim, but just to dry myself, you know, to clean myself up. So my sister was with me. She was freaking out. She was like in bits, you know, oh my God, you know, are you okay? Oh, what, what's happening? 
Verstappen. And I was like, oh, wait, I tripped up. I went back home and Sol's absolutely hit the roof. She saw me walk, walked in, covered in blood, and absolutely hit the roof. You know, anyway. And that was a big turning point for me because I suddenly realised that I wasn't invincible and I've got to be a little bit more careful. Although even at that point, I still was thought I tripped. Yeah. I then had a little um, checkup, I think, a couple of weeks later. And, oh, no, I've just been back that same night. We went to watch, uh, yeah, so this is my first memory then. That first, that's, uh, that first night, went to the, uh, we went to watch Mamma Mia, of all things. And when we came out of the cinema, I felt, it felt like the whole world had just moved underneath my feet. I was like, it was just, whoa. What was just, whoa. So I went, well, you all right? I went, I don't, I don't know, babe. I'm just, everything's just moving. Went straight down to the hospital. They did checkups on me, but, and, but not a proper thorough checkup. It was just like down to the emergency kind of stuff. They did checkups on me and then said, right, okay, you're okay now. Your blood pressure's all right, blah, blah, blah. I went back home. It was still a bit of a, like, worry. And then... About two weeks later, a week later, I had a proper checkup with my doctor. I've got a defibrillator here now in my chest, and this defibrillator has a little box. I've got a little box next to my bed, and he relays everything to the box. It's incredible. So I've taken this box to the doctor with the checkup. We sat there, me and my wife, me and Soz sat next to each other with the doctor. He's going, everything's looking very good. Looking really good. You you know, everything's progressing. Wait a minute. And I'm going, oh no. What, what happened on this day? You've had, an, you've had another accident, haven't you? Like, oh, I could see Soz steaming. You know, I could almost feel the heat coming off her. <laughs> like, oh. um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought I tripped. Oh no, you didn't. You didn't trip. You had another incident. Really? And fortunately, this, my defibrillator, kicked me back. They could see it. They could see it, you know, like stopping a bubble. So at that point on, it was like wake-up time. Um, now, as you know, before I was training at the gym, I was training people at the gym, but I wasn't qualified like you. I wasn't a PT. I was just, I just learned how to train people. I just learned how to push people, should I say, and, you know, like not actually progressively train like PT that is now. But my um, stepdad, he was a PT. Said, listen, you know, you want to get back into fitness, you've got to think of your heart as a muscle. You've got to retrain that heart now. And he was absolutely amazing with me. He just took me pretty much under his wing and just put me on a little program, got me where I'm like, what's your resting heart rate? So 47, right, let's walk and take it up to 60 and then bring it back down and walk and bring it back to 60. And we kept, you know, bring it, take it to 70. And slowly and slowly over a good maybe a month, he got me to like run a minute, walk two minutes, run a minute, walk two minutes, you know, just slow. But when, 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 anytime my heart rate got up to the target that we'd set, bring it back down, just slowly and slowly. And then that happened for um, 
a good few months before I then started doing like a three minute run and then, you know, reversed it then. So it's a three minute run to a two minute walk and then a four minute run to a one minute walk. And then I was able to, able to run. And then, um, but again, I was very cautious of what I could do. So I wouldn't, at that point, if me and you, well, still now, if say for me and you, you say, let's go for a run. I'll go for a run with you. If you say, right, I'm going to pick up pace and I'll check on my heart rate, say, off you go, mate. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to spike it. I don't go from nothing to, well, but, you know, resting heart rates at 120 or 130 like that. I can go up to 140 now and maintain it at that. But I can't go from that to that, you know, like the high, high intensity stuff. So, again, if you were doing that, I'd just have to say, off you go, mate. And yeah. do, do you find any of that? Because you're obviously, although you can't remember it, you're used to this just training as hard as you can and being intense as you can for as long as you can. Do you find it frustrating or does that, is, is that second incident just cleared all of that and you're just like, I'm just going to be as sensible as possible with this? Um, for, a, for a while, it did as in it had to be sensible. I got to that, that programme once I'd got through through that first probably year of doing that. And then when I came back here to Spain and then started um, training with other people, that would then affect me mentally more than anything else because I knew what I could do. I was, I was lucky. Again, I was lucky with the people that I went to train with. Um, there's a um, CrossFit gym just down the road, and the coach was absolutely amazing with me you know he said look Gav do what you can do don't push yourself do what you can do there's no one here competing it was a really nice community you know no one was trying to beat the next person there was a couple obviously you know where the mates trying to beat each other but in general it was all about do what you can do and he he helped me with it but at the same time it upset me because I was thinking I can do more or I could do more and I can't do that anymore and I just suddenly realised that I'm not, I'm never going to be able to do that. So, and although it took me a while to, to come to terms with that, I had to kind of think, well, at the end of the day, I'd rather be able to do something than nothing. So let's do what I can do, which was being able to do a half marathon at a good steady pace, or just do a gym session with, you know, a, a normal, you know, build up my strength without having to do the high intensity competitive stuff anymore. At least I can do that. And that, that, you know, found ways around it that way. When you finished that marathon, what was the feeling? Sorry, the half marathon. Well, I was ecstatic. I really was so happy with my book. The only problem was that the guy I was doing it with had just complete, completed seven Ironmans in seven days, seven and a half Ironmans in seven days. And it was like, you know, I was going, yeah, how good am I? And I'm looking at him going, he's going, yeah, right. <laughs> do you want to go again, Gav? I'm like, <laughs> but no, other than that, no, I mean, I felt that's the longest I've run, Scott. And I, I, and I, I was so happy with it, the fact that I'd done that. I was so proud of myself that I'd managed to do that. I didn't, I wasn't happy the next day. I was aching, I was, my, my legs were in bits. Well, we all know how that feels, don't yeah. we? Um, in regards to future fitness goals, do do you have any, or is it just 
keep looking after yourself. We all all need little challenges ahead of us, don't we, at times for motivation and to keep us going. Um, Do you have any more in the pipeline? Not. I'm thinking about doing a half marathon again. Um, But I'll have to... You did one recently, didn't you, in Malaga? So I did the... Let's get this right the Malaga half marathon last November. Um, I did the Seville marathon in February and coming up this year, there is, which may be something for you to aim for, mate. There's a half marathon in Marbella. I think it's the 1st of October. And then if, yeah, you're, well, feeling, okay. if you're feeling very confident, there's the Malaga full marathon in December. No, I think I'll stick to the halves. <laughs> <laughs> that that is the wisest thing anyone has ever said on this podcast, mate. <laughs> well, not even my heart. I think my legs. I don't think my legs would be able to cope on a full marathon either. I'm not. I'm not. As Soz keeps saying, Garth, you're not built for running. But I do. En- I do enjoy. It. I do enjoy it when you're at nice. You know, enjoy it nice pace. Kind of thing. But yeah, well, she, she's doing some amazing doing things at the moment, competition, actually, talking about half marathon, she overtook me at one point. Did she? Or the Malaga one? I remember jogging along and going, oh, I recognise her, but she's um, she's doing competitions and all sorts at the moment, isn't she? Yeah, she's um, she's got into high rocks, seems to have lost the uh, connection a little bit. Yeah, I think it's because my baby's screaming. But I think we go on, carry on, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, she's doing high rocks, which I'm so happy about her with what she's done because she was so, like me, she was so competitive. But with what happened to me, it kind of she lost all not passion for it, but drive I think she's you could say she could say you could say you know because all of it it just everything that we were doing was just stopped and then different direction and she she lost a little bit of a drive for it she never had lost a passion I don't think but still just that drive to be able to start doing it so she started to do this high rocks competition um and she did really well in that um she's always she dabbled in a couple of like little OCR local OCRs over the years but this was a proper first major competition that she'd done. Yeah, so she's um she's back into that now. She's she's got back herself into a good good routine with it. And how is family life? Because I imagine obviously something like that, which is so serious, you kind of realise what is important. And really family is the only important thing, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It for me the the girls have just been my rock really, you know, and although it mentally it's been difficult for me because as the man of the house, the man who used to provide for the family, that kind of those, and that's in a way the relationship with me and Soz, it took a little bit of a little, little bit of um, we always had an equal relationship, but that relationship then changed quite a lot because she then was like looking after me, she almost, you know, that, so that did change. And at the time, I was bringing in more, more. The, I was more of the bread, what you call it, the bringing more in the, of the money kind of thing. I, I was earning more than she was, so it was a little bit. The tables were turned, and then 
I was then struggling a little bit mentally with how, you know, I want, just wanted to look after them. And I wasn't able to do that as such as I was before. But other than that, I mean, we got married last year. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just getting better. I think that's the main thing. It's just getting better day, week, well, all the time. Everything. Like I said, I think it's touched earlier, I don't, don't feel like this journey's finished yet because I've always been trying to chase. It took me a while to get my head around this. I wanted to get from A to Z like that again. You know, let's say I was at Z before, I wanted to get from where I was right rock bottom to Z like that. And it struggled with it a lot. But now I'm at a point where I look, still got the rest of my life in front of me. I can still got, I've got my family. That's the main thing. As long as there's slower progress, slow improvement, we're kind of happy with that. We'll finish on this then. Slow progress. I, I won't jump too far ahead. Where, if we were to do this podcast this time next year, where would you like to be? Probably say, well, in 1st of October, I ran past this guy called Scott doing a half marathon. <laughs> um, you know, I'd, just being able doing that, being able to say to you, yeah, I did that. Um, but also, I don't know really, Carl, that's a good, so this time next year, would be six years, six years would have been gone. I'd be happy with progress. Basically, I'd just be happy with progress. That's the main thing. I mean, my family life and you know yourself, living over here, it's difficult to be, to be, you know, unhappy with it, with life because you've just got such a nice way of life. But as long as I've progressed, I think that's what I'd be happy to do. I'd be happy with because that's what we have done all the way through just steady progression with both my health fitness family life my brain everything just so that's yeah great stuff well if i do see you on that start line of the marbella half marathon and you're wearing a weighted vest and you've got a kettlebell in each hand i'll, I'll yeah. give you a slap mate just hit me with a kettlebell <laughs> hit me over the with a kettlebell now Right. Cheers, mate. Massively appreciate that. Um, yeah, you're a legend, mate. Thank you very much, mate.